Welcome to College Football Corner, Episode 2. I'm Mikey DeLuo. With me, as always, is Kyle. What's up? Our, our special guest today, our friend from Title Talk Media's Bruins Talk podcast, JR. JR, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing pretty well, man. Uh, can't complain. Uh, happy to be here with you guys, uh, talk some college football. Um, something I'm very passionate about. May not know like everything about, but you know, I have a team that I root for and I love. So happy to be here. And and Jr. For the, for those listening at home, can you tell them what what team you root for? I I, I mean, we both know, but. All right. So I am New England born and raised. Um. But my family. That's right. He's a UMass fan. No, you wish. <laughs> but I was born and raised in Massachusetts. But my family has always been a particular fan of a certain team dating back to the 1960s and 70s. Um, but if you guessed it, you got it right. Uh, Florida State is my favorite team. I've been a fan of them since I was a little tyke. And I love that team to death. And yes, we've gone through some rough years. But I am excited to see what Coach Norvell has in these boys and can turn them around. And I'm excited, especially for Mackenzie Milton. Mm, KZ. KZ. I mean, uh, we talked about this before, but I do think a big question for Mackenzie Milton is, is he going to be healthy after he missed, I think, two and a half seasons following that injury? Because if he comes back anywhere close to what he was at UCF, I mean, okay, they're not going to be Clemson, but they're going to be a pretty good team. The the running definitely going to be a solid team. The running joke right now that it's going is uh, that KZ beat Jordan Travis in a forty-yard dash with a knee brace on. That is impressive. That kind of reminds me of uh, Tua uh, back in twenty eighteen when he had that LSU game in Death Valley. I was watching it on TV with my brother, and then I see Tua kind of like escape the pocket and roll field. And then I'm just yelling, slide, slide. I can't get, you can't keep getting hurt. And they just kept running and scored with that bulky knee brace on. <laughs> but enough about the FBS. Let's talk a little bit about the FCS. And that is specifically our friend LB, who's going to be coming on the podcast soon. Uh, supposed to come on today, but he's unable. So JR's here. He pointed out that FCS ratings are up 97% in the spring. Wow. That's insane. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's insane. Well, it just proves it's, people will watch football. I mean, so football's that, football, dude. Yeah, my question is, should the FCS stay in the spring for good? Yeah. Mm. I, I don't think they should. I don't I mean, think they should either. I mean, it's going to be hard, though. I mean, if FCS goes to the fall and it's FBS and FCS, that's just going to be, like, kind of ridiculously hard to, like, be able to watch because, you know, everybody's going to want to watch teams like Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, to name some, and the SEC, you know, teams like Oregon, teams like uh, USC, and then you got Michigan, obviously, but Michigan reeks. But um, then Ohio State, Clemson, team, everybody's going to watch teams like that. I mean, I will say this. There is one team that kind of shocked me how well they did over the weekend. And boy, let me tell you, I think Coach Prime's got those boys at Jackson State fired up. Well, they did play in NAIA school. 
So that's not that's not saying much. But it was a fifty-three nothing win, and then he lost yeah. all of his stuff. They did find it though. They the AD they found, found all of his stuff. Yeah, they just that's got moved. Okay, yeah, that's good. But here's why I I wouldn't move to the spring if I'm the FBS. If I'm the FCS, sorry, and that is because on one hand you get that TV exposure. But you get a lot more money by playing in the fall and then just getting paid to lose 66 to nothing to a powerhouse. I'm still mad we didn't get Oregon versus NDSU. Okay, that's the exception. (laughs) There's no no benefit to scheduling NDSU. If you're an FBS coach or athletic director listening to this, do not schedule NDSU because they're good enough to beat you. It's that simple. I just want to see Trey Lance play if he didn't, you know, uh, declare for the draft. That would have been interesting. Well, I mean, North Dakota State does have Zeb Nolan, and I'm very interested in him because yes. he's, um, uh, I was going to say, transferring from Iowa State, lost John to Brock Purdy, and then Trey Lance opts out of the spring season to go towards the NFL draft. So there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of hope, I guess. For NDSU, of course, they are going to win the national championship. Can't emphasize yeah. that enough. No matter what they do, they're a dynasty. They're the greatest dynasty in football history. Which now makes it two straight episodes. I said that North Dakota State is the greatest dynasty in football history. NDSU's kind of turned into quarterback. You, they've produced Easton Stick, Carson Wentz, Trey Lance this year, and Zeb Nolan coming soon. Uh, well, as far as the FCS, yeah, of course, yeah. like. There's not that much competition uh, when it comes to quarterback. With you. I mean, okay, Ben DiNucci at James Madison. Legend. Cowboys legend. Yeah, legend. Uh, the Stapleton brothers are also at James Madison, but they they, they didn't play quarterback. <laughs> and I, actually, you know what? There's one FCS game that I want to talk about. The FCS versus FBS. The first FCS versus FBS game for the 2021 college football season I think y'all know what I'm about to say. New Mexico State versus Tarleton State. In El Paso. Oh my, that's going to be a barn burner. Well, well, JR, I have bad news for you. I have bad news, buddy. New Mexico State lost. Are you kidding? They lost 43-17. to 17. To an FCS school. To an FCS school that just moved up to Division One. Legendary. Can we just like delegate or relegate them to uh, like D two then? Because oh UMass my god, still up here, dude. They're not getting pushed down. Oh, dude, UMass is gonna get crushed this year. Actually, Tarleton State is uh, interesting in the fact that they're the only school in history to be undefeated against the FBS but winless against the FCS. Oh, that's a fun <laughs> fact. That's a pretty good fun fact. They lost uh, last week to McNeese State in a game that was apparently illegal to watch because I couldn't find it anywhere. Ooh. And then uh, uh. they let Ga- uh, the Aggies let Gabe Douglas of Tarleton State go for 190 yards on them. Goodness. Seven catches, Man. 190 yards, two touchdowns. That sounds like an interesting game. Cameron Burston, the quarterback um, for Tarleton State. 15 for 29, 252 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Four carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Wow. <sighs> sounds and, like the future New England Patriots quarterback. 
Actually, I don't know how tall he is. They may they may move him to receiver. They have a history with that. <laughs> I'm gonna no, actually check that. Now you got now you got me thinking. I'm gonna actually check to see how tall he is. <laughs> he oh, might be like the. Foot, he's six foot four. Yeah, he's a quarterback. I was about to say he might be like the Julian Edelman size. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you do see a lot of uh, guys changing positions now. Not even in in the NFL. That's happened for a long time, but in college oh, yeah. too. Like, oh, yeah. Alabama had Christian Story come in this year. This guy was the all-time leading passer in the state of Alabama. And he moved to safety. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot guy. about, like, receivers moving to, like, DB. Or you'll hear, like, a lot of, like, tight ends moving to, like, D-line or linebacker or edge. It's, it happens. It, it does happen. I mean, like, Richard Sherman, he came to Stanford as a wide receiver. And he's one of the greatest corners to ever play the game. Yeah, like and like Michael Parsons, he was pr- pretty much just a pass r- pass rusher. He's brand new to linebacker, and yeah, we saw what like, he could do last year. He look, he's good. It happens, and it's more con- like again, uh, Kyle, your favorite player, Slade Bolden, Ooh, high Slade. school quarterback, uh, college slot receiver. Uh, did get some time at quarterback because Tua and Mac were a little banged up against Tennessee in 2019, but he is... Ooh, that's a fun fact. Yeah, I was at that game, so uh, Ooh, got to see Slade Bolden's first career touchdown pass. Nice. But, nice, nice little flex right there. <laughs> but that it is just becoming increasingly more common to see guys change positions. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's shocking. Now, one school that's going to need some guys changing positions, a lot of guys changing positions, is Texas State. Oh, we're talking about their amazing recruiting class? We're talking Texas State's incredible recruiting class. I'd (sighs) say it's the best recruiting class in the nation. What am I number one? Yeah. JR, do um, do you know about Texas State's recruiting class? Not really, dude. I will be honest with you. The only recruiting classes that I have paid attention to the past couple years are Florida State, Alabama, and Georgia. Well, you're in for a treat because Texas State did not sign any players. Okay, are we being serious? I'm being serious. They got 11 transfers, but they did not sign any players. Oh, I feel so sorry for that school. They got no high school players to sign. Yeah, because, I mean, like, if you're thinking Texas State, I mean, nine times out of ten, when you think of Texas, you're thinking of UT, A&M, or Texas Tech. Yeah, and even then, there's other places, like Baylor was good for a few years. TCU was good for a few years. TCU's got some good coaching. Yeah, TCU's got some good coaching. TCU does have some good coaching, yeah. And and then, like, Houston, when they had Tom Herman, was pretty good. But, my God, there's so many high school football players in this country. And Texas State couldn't get one? They couldn't get one high schooler to say, yes, I'm going to play my college football at Texas State. They're going with the old grad transfer strat. Uh, I don't know if they'll pay actually, off. Actually, funny you should bring that up because I went through and I looked at every single transfer that Texas State got. 
Of the 11 they got, only six are grad transfers. Ooh, wow. Wide receiver Jeremiah Hawkins, grad transfer from Cal. Defensive tackle Nick McCann, grad transfer from Texas Tech. Cornerback, I'm probably going to butcher this name because I've never seen it spelled this way before. Dante Carrier-Williams, grad transfer from Vanderbilt. It's spelled D-O-N-T-Y-E. I think it's Dante, maybe Dante, like Kanye, but I, I don't know. Um, and also a little little thing about um, I'm just gonna call him DC Williams because that's what he went by. He's gone by three different names in three different seasons at two different schools. I remember you telling me about this. Started out at Wisconsin where he went by uh, I'm just gonna call him Dante. He went by Dante Williams. Then he transferred to Vanderbilt, and after he had his redshirt year as a transfer, he went by. Dante Carrier Williams, and then he went by DC Williams. So I hope if you're listening, please go by Dante Carrier at Texas State. I think that would be funny. <laughs> um, okay, so next one is Troy Lefajet Jr. from Utah State, a safety. He's eligible immediately. Uh, Eric Sutton, a cornerback, grad transfer from SMU, eligible immediately. And uh, guard Charles Fletcher from NC State, also eligible immediately as a grad transfer. And I should mention defensive end Deontay Washington from Last Chance U, Indy Community College in Kansas, Ooh. will almost certainly be eligible because me some Indy. Yeah, because he's a he's a junior college guy. Now that yeah. means the following players are not immediately eligible and may not be able to play for Texas State next season. Quarterback Ty Evans, who transferred from NC State. Guard Liam Dobson, who transferred from Maine. Linebacker Demarcus Hayes, transferred from Kansas State. And guard Kamana Wa'a from Hawaii. None of them may end up playing next season because they haven't been cleared. And I think that's kind of hilarious. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. You might barely even you sign. You only get eleven transfers, right? And then almost half of them can't even play, potentially. Yeah. And then like, there's like basically, I mean, they're gonna have the opt out option again this year because of COVID and everything like that. So it'll save a year of eligibility if that's what they intend to do. Uh, <sighs> Maybe they'll get wait. lucky and get Tate Martell. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I was I was actually about to bring up that. Tate Martell, the dude who's writing, who's been writing the transfer when, or not the transfer, but the transfer program for his whole entire college career, practically. Not practically. That's exactly what he's been doing. Dude, like, literally, like, showed out as one of the best high school quarterbacks in the nation, and then he gets beat out, like, each by time yeah. by Dwayne Haskins, and technically lost the backup job to Joe Burrow. And Jesus, dude, he just. I think and he then, should just hang him up. Well, you got to remember, he then um, tra- he then said he wasn't going anywhere, and then Justin Fields came in from Georgia. And then he transferred to Miami. He transferred to Miami, lost the job to uh, Nikosi Perry, I think it was. And then De'Ara King. And then De'Ara King came in, and then he – well, he opted out first, and then he left again. But never forget his Miami – final Miami stats. He's the all-time leader in completion percentage in Miami. Minimum one attempt. One for one, seven yards. Also seven carries for seven yards. Oh, that's the goat. That's the Miami goat right there, man. 
Yeah, I also think he was working out um, at slot receiver and safety at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, sometimes I feel bad for the guy because I mean he did show promise, but I think he just got in his own head. I'm not gonna lie; I think he just got in his own head, and he thought like, "Oh, nobody can beat me." And when people were actually beating him out, like he just started getting in, like, starting started getting down on himself and just couldn't compete. Yeah, and that's a that's a thing. And now uh, I, I hope I'm wrong on this. Because we know the kind of talent that Tate Martell is when he actually gets the chance to play. But man, unless he goes to this new school and absolutely balls out, he could go down as one of the biggest busts in college college football. Yeah, yeah, crazy what's happened with Tate Martell. It's it's like I've never seen a guy as highly regarded as Tate Martell transfer twice in the span of three years, actually. Well, really two years, because he didn't play this year in Miami. But he did transfer twice in three years. Um, the, the only guy I can think of whose star fell as high as that is uh, a bit of a blast from the past. That's uh, Jeremy Calhoun. Uh, y'all remember Jeremy Calhoun from Oklahoma? I think I might. He was, uh, they called him coming out of high school, the best quarter, I'm sorry, the best running back in the state of Texas since Adrian Peterson. And then he just never did anything at Oklahoma. That is, that is hard to live up to. Yeah, that's another reason why I don't like him. I know why people like comparisons because it's easy. It tells them something to look for. But saying he's the best since Adrian Peterson, that's, that's, uh, that's not good. That's wasn't lofty. he like the wasn't he like the number two or three recruit out of out of the nation think, anyways at that position? Yeah, I think I think so. And um well he, he was the backup to DeMarco Murray, which it's not gonna he's already not gonna get playing times of freshman because of that. Mm-hmm. Then he got beat out by a walk on and ended up walking to uh, well not walking, he transferred. He didn't walk on, he got a scholarship to Angelo State, Division Two school. Yeah, which, it's crazy what happened with him. Which brings me to something that we've been talking about a little bit. I'm going to make this segue work, I promise. And that is college football one-hit wonders. Of course, one-hit wonder, guy who had one good season. Um, And that's a pretty broad definition because some people might consider Quinn Williams a one-hit wonder because he had one uh, okay season and then one great season before he went to the NFL. So I, I have my list of, of guys I consider one-hit wonders. And, and really, the only rule is if it's um, if it's a guy who was really good for a brief period of time and then was never good again in college. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna let y'all get the stars. So uh, Jr. You're the guest. So who do you think is the is the one hit wonder, biggest college football one hit wonder? Oh, in my opinion, you're gonna hate me for this, Trevor Knight. <laughs> Trevor Knight. Now that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Oh, oh I just, I just remember 2014. 2014 is like the last time I like I even remember that guy doing anything, and a reason why is because he beat your boys in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, he did. 
Um, that must have yeah. been tough, Mikey. Yeah. Well, nobody would even. Nobody would ever thought though, because I mean, Bama looked really good that year, but nobody would ever thought that Oklahoma would do that, especially that Oklahoma team. Yeah. Nick Saban was kind of cursing the Sugar Bowl uh, until he broke it by beating Kelly Bryant. And Trevor Knight ended up going to Texas A&M, and he quietly had a good season. But that I'm going to say emphasis on quietly because that defeats the purpose of one-hit wonder if he has a second good season. So, so Kyle, who do you have? I Give have me one name is Gerard Holloman from Louisville. This dude had an insane 2014 season with 14 interceptions. And how many did he have the rest of his college career? The two years before that, he had a combined zero interceptions. That is, like, that, like, at what point do you, as a quarterback, stop throwing to the guy? Uh, I could not believe, I remember seeing him get 14 interceptions in a season. I was like, oh my goodness, this dude's insane. 14 interceptions, and then no one heard from him again. Yeah, he was drafted in the seventh round by the Steelers after that season. And then he was just gone. And no, literally no one heard of him again. NCAA yep. record, consensus All-American. No one heard of him again after getting 14 picks in a season. Of course, I got one in Kyle. It's, uh, it's, someone, it's one of my favorite players. And uh, that, that's, that's KJ Costello. Oh, Good old KJ. That that's a one hit wonder right there, and this yeah, little, it's it. a one game wonder more than anything. Yeah, that was week one. He walked into Baton Rouge and uh, threw for an SEC record six hundred twenty three yards, um, and then didn't do that again. <laughs> I remember the takes after that game. People were saying, "Is the SEC ready for the air raid?" And then later down the line, Mississippi State would lose games like 24 to 2. Yeah, it, it got rough after that game. It was all downhill after that. It was all like KJ Costello. That, like, he got knocked out of the Alabama game, and his stats were. They're not good. Oh, yeah. He had some pretty terrible games. Like, the, oh my God, the Kentucky game. The Kentucky game, he went 36 for 55. 232 yards, no touchdowns, and four picks. Oh, that's the hurt piece. That hurt. It really is. That was the aforementioned 24-2 game that Mississippi State lost. Classic. And, uh, and KJ Costello actually contributed to that 24 by throwing a pick yeah, six. That was a brutal, brutal season by Mississippi State after the LSU game. You know it's bad when Terry Wilson goes 8 for 20 for 73 yards and outplays your quarter, both quarterbacks, actually, because Costello got benched for Will Rogers, who I think is a better quarterback, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I think the the greatest college football one-hit wonder of all time, except K.J. Costello, my favorite quarterback ever. This is going to be a bit of a blast from the past, and that, that guy's Bryce Love. Ooh, that's a good one. I was going to go with Bryce Love, but that's a good one. Yeah, Bryce Love randomly rushed for 2,100 yards in the season. Mm-hmm. That's, it's, and no one, like, what did he do after that? He was a Heisman front runner. 
And then, yeah, he got second place in the Heisman voting, right? Yeah, he went to Stanford. Stanford curse. Yeah. Except if your uh, opponent decides to change his name to what rhymes with Heisman, then you're fine. True. And like he just. Uh, I have I have another good one. You ready for this one? All right. Kenny Hill. I wouldn't call him a one-hit wonder, actually. He, he had a decent couple seasons at TCU. But remember how hyped he was yeah. after that game against South Carolina? He was Kenny football, and then he said, please don't call me that. And he but, went by Kenny Trill. Yeah, which is oh a don- God. Which is a, a no no disrespect to Kenny football, but Kenny football is such a better nickname than Kenny Trill. I mean, yeah. like, some people call him Thrill Hill, which I think is better. Mm-hmm. What, what does Kenny Trill even mean? I'm being serious. Like, I don't I don't know. He still owns the most passing yards in a single game in Texas A&M history with 511. Jeez. According to Wikipedia, um, this is a direct quote from Wikipedia, following Hill's huge performance against South Carolina, his predecessor, Johnny Manziel, who went by the nickname Johnny Football, called Hill Kenny Football, along with a number of fans. Hill, however, said the nickname belonged to Manziel, and instead asked to be called Kenny Trill, with Trill being a combination of true and real. And then for some reason, they trademarked it. Yeah, I remember them trademarking it. That's a Texas A&M thing to do. Yeah, and then he just fell off and transferred to TCU. And then, well, he well he was uh, he was arrested for um, mm, that uh, happened, yep. being drunk, yeah, whole mess. And then they, and then like he said, George Bush was still the president, and uh, well, he recovered from it though. So he's, I yeah. mean, he, he had a pretty good career at TCU, and he's their quarterback coach he's now. Pretty solid at TCU. It was just the hype from that game against South Carolina, and then it just came crashing down. Yeah, I mean, like I guess if you say that Kenny. Kenny Hill. I almost said Kenny Football. I had to stop myself. <laughs> Kenny Trill. If, I guess if you say Kenny Trill, Thrill Hill is, isn't a one-hit wonder. You can make the argument KJ Costello isn't either because he did have a pretty good 2018. Here, here. Um, I have a better one than Kenny Hill. That was just the warm-up. You ready for this one? Yep. Cardale Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Big boy. One hit. One, that's one of the most iconic one-hit wonders in football history. Oh yeah, Ardale Jones. He that was an insane three-game stretch, and then he went back for another year. And oh my goodness, that was a disaster. Never forget his rushing stats in the national championship game. Twenty-one carries, thirty-eight yards, a touchdown. Gotta love, gotta love rushing stats in college football. If 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 Cardale Jones didn't win that game, I would say that's Leonard Fournette against Alabama. <laughs> yeah, but uh, here's another one. Uh, I'm gonna speak in Alabama. Raekwon Davis. Ooh, that's a really good one. Raekwon Davis, although uh, with the concession that I'm not really sure that was a one-hit wonder. I, he definitely has a solid argument. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, maybe he was just never meant to be a pass rusher. Because mm-hmm. he had eight and a half sacks as a sophomore. But his other three seasons combined, he had three. Yeah, it was. I remember his senior year, he got half a sack, and that was against South Carolina, I think, and then the rest of the season, nothing. Like He had half a sack. You know who had more sacks than Raekwon Davis that season? 
who had more sacks? Ben Davis. Oh, from Gordo. From Gordo. Again, it was against uh, Mississippi State. Uh, a buddy of mine who goes to Mississippi State offered me tickets to that game. I said no because I didn't want to be in the car with him for two and a half hours on the drive from Tuscaloosa to Starkville. But, yeah, Raekwon Davis is, is kind of a one-hit wonder, although I do think he is pretty well suited in a run-stuffer role. I mean, he's six foot seven, 360 pounds. There's a reason why he went in the second round. Of oh, you can't teach that body. Yeah. And how about another one? This I have is a... Uh, oh, you have okay, another okay. one? You can go, you can go. Okay. This guy, he's from Northwestern. He came in as a wide receiver, and then his third year in college, he he, uh, went and became a running back. His name is Venrick Mark. Oh, my God. That is a a name that that I I have buried away deep in my mind. I don't remember why I know him. But I do remember that I do know him, and I vaguely remember him on North. His stats North are West. crazy. So his it's, first two years, his freshman year, eight attempts, 63 yards running the ball. Next year, 15 attempts, 104 yards. The year after that, his junior year, 226 attempts, 1,300 yards, and 12 touchdowns. And then the year after that, 31 rushing attempts, 97 yards. That is... Something. Uh, how, how about this one? Uh, a, blast, a bit of a blast from the past, and I know I said we shouldn't include guys who were good their last year, mm-hmm. but I think having one of the greatest passing seasons of all time and then only going in the seventh round counts as one-hit wonder. Mm-hmm. And that is a B.J. Simmons. Ooh, that's a good one. B.J. Simmons passed for... About 500 yards the first, the first uh, three seasons of his career, and then as a senior he passed for 5,800. Oh yeah, that's insane. That's still the record, even with everything else, even with Joe Burrow, even with uh, Anthony Gordon. That's another one-hit wonder we can argue about, actually. Mm-hmm. Even with. Um, Case Keenum, B.J. Simmons, 5,833 yards in one season of college football is still the Division One FBS record. Hey, even more than Mahomes went to the same school. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, when Mike Leach was still at Texas Tech. Mm. Okay. That makes uh, sense. Hashtag Leach Ball. We love Leach Ball. Yeah, he's a How Mummy disciple, so we, of course we stand How Mummy in this podcast. I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. And, uh, you know, how about one more, one more one-hit wonder, or should I really say one game wonder, and not for a good reason, not for a bad reason, but not for a good reason, it's another Mike Leach quarterback, um, and it's not KJ Costello, it's Connor Halliday. Ooh, okay, you got some good ones. And people remember him because he threw 89 passes in a game. That reminds me of the Mahomes game against Oklahoma, I think. Yeah, he hate that game. That game was crazy. But the like how like Halliday had twelve games over sixty passing yards. That's insane. 
How was it? No wonder he didn't make it to the pros. His arm fell off. <laughs> that must like, been tough on his arm. It's not. I mean, dog. I mean, throwing a football like right now, like my arm is cooked after like thirty passes. Like trying to throw thirty times, my arm is cooked. Eighty-eight passes or passing attempts. My God, I would literally have to get an amputation to save my arm and give me a new one. You know, Steve McNair's last game at Alcorn State, he passed for, uh, I think it was, I think it was 82 times in his last game. Jesus. Uh, um, it could be wrong because FCS, uh, well, back then it was Division One AA, but either way, those stats from the 90s are not readily available online. So, yeah, there's not much we can do there. You know, you know McNair finished third in the Heisman voting. And he went to Alcorn. That's just insane. He arguably should have won it. A winner in 94 was, of course, Rashawn Salam. But I want to focus on a winner that came a little later than him. Uh, JR is someone you know very well. And that is uh, Tim Tebow. Oh, God. The legend. One of the greatest, one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Um. I mean, I, have y'all ever listened to his speech after the Ole Miss game? I personally have not. Uh, I've heard it once, but I it's been a while. I, I haven't listened to it. Like the first, I listened to it, and every time I listen to it, I, I'm ready to run through a wall. I don't even like Florida. I have no. I don't care much for Ole Miss either. But my God, I am Tim Tebow was an incredible. He's leader. a great leader. An incredible football player in college, and for some reason he decided to play baseball. Hey, you know, man, I'm going to give this guy props. You know, I'm a Florida State fan. I hate Florida with a passion. The Gators are my worst enemy. But I will say this. I always respected Tim Tebow because he was always a fair opponent and always a fair player and never was dirty, never hated on anybody. He's always been equal to everybody, and I'm glad, you know, he's living his life to the fullest. Um, I just think that maybe he's realizing that sports really aren't his thing. And, I mean, he has a really good platform with the charities that he runs and his social media presence. And, honestly, I won't lie. That dude is living life right now. His wife is gorgeous, and I couldn't be any happier for him. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he didn't need to play baseball. He's still an analyst with SEC Network. You see him on post-game shows talking to Mac Jones, with Jacksonville guys. But, Jr., you're a baseball guy. So, how was Tim Tebow the baseball player? Um, he didn't even crack the starting lineup for the Mets. So, I did go to one baseball game where Tim Tebow was playing. Ooh, My whole family went on down to Hartford, go Whalers, to see Tim Tebow come to town. And I remember we were just like sitting there waiting for the starters to come out because my mom was like, we're not going to this game if Tim Tebow's not playing. And then I got it goes, oh, it's okay. He's playing. He's just playing left field. And we're like, all right. And so that leads me to another question. So you got Tim Tebow, Heisman winner, who decided to play baseball. If you can pick any other Heisen winner to play any sport other than football, or in Charlie Ward's case, basketball, who would you choose? 
Well, I would say Jameis Winston, but he already played baseball. He already played baseball. Multi-sport guys don't count. So, like, mm-hmm. I can't say I want Charlie Ward to play basketball because he already played basketball. You can't say Jameis Winston or Tim Tebow playing baseball because they already did that. So, he- so Heisman winners that want to play multiple sports. Um, I am going to go with Baker Mayfield. Jackson. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield. And I'm going to say soccer because he honestly has, like, the build to be a soccer player and how fast he is in in football pads. He might not be the fastest, but I think he would probably be a lot faster on just a, on a soccer pitch with just cleats shin pads and just, a, and just a soccer ball at his feet. I think he would be great at it. I'm going to choose another Oklahoma quarterback and that's going to be Jason white. Oh, I haven't heard that name in a long time. And of course, knowing Jason white, He's got two bum knees. So I'm going to say Jason White goes with a sport that's fairly easy on the body. Um, and I'm going to say I want to see Jason White go into golf. Oh, God, golf. Oh, don't get me started. I could go on about hours for golf. I love golf. Uh, now, originally, oh, um, me in my sick, twisted head said I want to see Jason White play tennis, but I decided he can't do that. That would be too <laughs> cruel, even in this fictional example. I was about to say, are you going to say tennis? <laughs> so um, I, but I'm going to say Jason White playing golf because I think it's easy on the knees, and we've seen football players play golf before. Um, John Brody did it. Tony Romo did it. Jason White can probably do it. So, Kyle, who do you have? Any Heisman winner to play any other sport, huh? Except you can't choose Kyler Murray, Bo Jackson, Jameis Winston, or Tim Tebow to play baseball, or Charlie Ward to play basketball. I'm picking Derrick Henry to play rugby. Oh, that, God. That's, that's kind of a layup. <laughs> That's kind of a layup just because, like, I don't know anything about rugby, but maybe he would – I think he'd be unstoppable. I don't think anybody would stop that man on a rugby field. Oh, my God. That, that would be very fun to see. But um, if I had to pick another answer, I'd probably go – I would probably go Lamar Jackson in baseball. You can put his. You can put him in center field with the speed. Uh, he would I, track I, down every single ball. Uh, Kyle, I won't lie. I thought you were just going to say Earl Campbell rugby. <laughs> that would be very fun to see too. I've actually got another one, and this is this is just a great one. You ready for this? This is your this is your good friend, Mikey, or actually one of your good friends, Mac Jones. Well, he um, didn't win the Heisman, so well, yeah, no. but he didn't win the Heisman. But I'm just going to say this: another see him play another sport, hockey. I would love to see Mac Jones on skates. I think he would demolish. Hmm. He's got he's got the body size to play D. He really does. He's tall. He's say this. He's built bigger. <laughs> he I I think he could play hockey. I really think he could. Um. I was gonna thinking of I was thinking of you know who else could play hockey as a Heisman winner. Um, then I remember that hockey requires a lot of hitting. And the only defensive player to win the Heisman is Charles Woodson. So, to be honest with you, hockey doesn't always require a lot of hitting. There's players that don't that barely hit and are, like, legends in the sport. So, 
That's true. That's true. But with that, I'm I'm gonna say Sam Bradford, uh, professional boxing. Oh yeah, because like he is he's made of glass. Like I remember one of my first memories of college football as a kid was seeing Sam Bradford accept the Heisman in a cast. So I'm gonna give it to him. Uh, I'm gonna I give it to him playing that, boxing. I want to see if he can take a punch. I think I got one that can't be topped. Johnny Manziel oh. curling. Hmm. <laughs> think I'm, about I'm that. Interested by that. I'm gonna follow it up sport. with Chris Wanky baseball because I forgot Chris Wanky played baseball. Chris Wanky, Florida State legend. I'm surprised you didn't say that, considering I tried to list off all of them, <laughs> and, I, and I missed the I missed the one baseball player. Um, how about how about Devontae Smith uh, basketball? Yeah, I'm only saying that because um, one of my friends actually got onto uh, Alabama barstool because he got dunked on by Devontae Smith in a pickup basketball game. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Okay, here, here's a good one. Uh, and, and I know this guy didn't win the Heisen, but he's so good I have to include him. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to be honest, he probably deserved that Heisman over Eddie George, even though Eddie George had a great season. And that is Tommy Frazier. Playing Tommy it. Frazier was electric. Tommy Frazier playing baseball. Just put him in the outfield. He's gonna he's gonna catch every ball. He's gonna steal every base. It's gonna be perfect. He is so good. He was so good. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna throw back to a uh, a pick that a lot of people may not remember. Won the Heisman. Um, Vinny Testaverde. Yeah, he did win the Heisman. Um, I mean, dude got injured a lot. Um, I am going to say... I think he'd probably be a good Olympic swimmer. Why do you say that? I'm, I'm actually interested. I don't know, man. I mean, it's the least contact, like, driven sport. <laughs> and he did get hurt a good amount in his career, so... How about Joe Dudek? That's it. I'm just done. I just want to mention that Joe Dudek finished ninth in the Heisman as a D3 player. Ooh, that's pretty cool fun fact. That's all I want to say. Um, But, you know, you brought up Vinny Testaverde. He played in the 80s. I'm going to talk about another guy that played in the 80s. Kyle, you may know where I'm going with this. And that is uh, – that's Craig James. And um, specifically, I'm referring to CJK5H. Oh, goodness. And that that brings me up with this. Okay, we know that CJK5H is probably the greatest college football urban, urban legend of all time. It has to be. So what what else is up there for great college football urban legends? 
Hmm. You got me thinking now. I don't really know a lot about the college football urban legends. I can. Th- um, like the best thing I, I saw described with uh, CJK5H was that you can't say CJ didn't K5H, <laughs> which I think is is legit. Um, and then of course there's the the Lane Kiffin urban legends. Oh, Lane Kiffin has some great ones. You can't. Well, like I, my, the one I think is most hilarious actually comes from his time in the NFL. Um, but that's of course the Jamarcus Russell blitz packages story. But um, there, there is. Oh yeah. There is two. Two that um, I want to mention in college, and that and that is the reason why he left Tennessee after one year. And uh, let's just say, let's just say his wife. Let's just call her the conductor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's all I gotta say. And then, um, and then the reason why he got fired from Alabama uh, during the playoffs and replaced by Sark. God bless Sark, by the way. Um, the urban legend there, and I, I'm not looking up any sources to confirm or deny this because I I just want to be an urban legend. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is that he shot his shot with Nick Saban's daughter. Again, oh, again, don't, again, don't 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 quote me on that. I'm not I'm not saying that's I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's false. Joey Freshwater. But I'm just saying that those are those are the three big ones in my view. Which is the um the 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 Lane Kiffin ones and the uh, the CJK five H obviously number one. Um, of course, there there are still others like um, Oklahoma under Bud Wilkinson won forty seven straight games, and uh, legend has it that they were poisoned. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying this happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. Or poisoned, or at the very least, hung over, and then lost to Notre Dame seven to nothing. Oh wow! To end their 47 game winning streak. That's pretty unfortunate. And of course, you still got things like the um. Well, with more like general sports one, like the Sports Illustrated cover curse. Oh yep. That, that's just something that applies to all sports. If you get on the cover of Sports Illustrated, I'm sorry. That's uh, not going to happen. I'm sorry. Bad news for you there, bud. You had a good uh, not one Bud the last episode. Yeah. Not, not Bud Wilkinson, I should clarify that. Um, but that is, uh, that, that is one as well. Last, one, last episode, you had a really good one with Woody Hayes. Ohio oh, Woody State. Hayes. Yeah, that, that is a great legend. Um, and that is because um, I, I'm not men- like, I already mentioned that, so I'm not bringing it up again. Um, because Woody Hayes hated Michigan, so he really did. Um, that that was a good one. And then, of course, you got other urban legends like like urban legends. Well, here's the thing: when we read like these lists of the greatest urban legends, some of them confirm them, which 
means it's no longer an urban legend. That's the whole point is that nobody is supposed to know. Mm-hmm. Like they're saying things like, oh, when the Pope went to Sun Devil Stadium, they covered all representations of the devil. Yeah, that happened. There's evidence of that happening. That's not an urban legend. There is no evidence that Oklahoma was poisoned. But it makes for an interesting story. The best urban legend is Big Red from Western Kentucky. Oh, God. I'm scared. (laughs) Oh, God. Big Red. Big Red's terrifying. Uh, Of course. I do think the... um, Another famous urban legend... Well, well... this is it really an urban? No, it's not. I was gonna, I was gonna mention the uh, the urban legend of of. I mean, I guess I can say it. The the urban legend of ducks and geese think that the water, uh, blue turf in Boise State is actually water, so they try to land in there, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go well. God, I love the blue turf. But that's not as fun as saying. Oh, hey, remember that time that Lane Kiffin left Tennessee after one season? Wasn't that fun? Any Lane Kiffin story is very fun to tell. The Lane train. And, and again, one of, the, one of the urban legends we mentioned was that Oklahoma, we got food poisoning and lost to Notre Dame, which brings us into our next topic. That being that Notre Dame has opted out of the new NCAA football game. Yeah, I saw that. That is so stupid. uh, They're waiting until uh, NIL rules are finalized, right? Yes. They want to have um, NIL rules to have the... uh, to get their players in the game, but they're saying that, uh, like... By the time the game comes out, the um, the NIL rules will probably already be done. Yeah, they should be so. done soon, like so really it, soon. It's you pretty know, much ceremonial. NCAA. It's pretty much ceremonial, but like Notre Dame's not part of the college licensing committee, so EA Sports would need to go out there and get them. Get them independently, uh, because Notre Dame just loves doing things independently, unless it's a COVID year. Yeah, yeah. those crazy gold helmet people, dude. I swear. ACC school for a year. I'm still, I'm still not gonna say it. So close to ACC champions, but they had to play Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Even if they won it, I'm still not gonna say they they played in a conference. Ian Book reeks. Oh, that's true. It would have been so hilarious if an independent school won the ACC last year, though. Yeah, it's kind of like how, even though they're called the San Diego Chargers, some people think they play two hours north. What's up with that? Oh, my <laughs> goodness, Mikey. One day you're going to recognize the Chargers. We're not going to bring that up. This is, an, this is an NFL. This is not an NFL podcast. I can't talk. I can't talk. But yeah, so like, do y'all think that more schools are gonna end up uh, opting out? I could, I could see it, but I mean, they're probably gonna opt back in here soon. I would assume. I, mean, they... I would assume the NIL laws are, are are figured out 
before the game comes out, so those up back in. I mean, not every school is as dumb as Notre Dame, so. Well, Notre Dame does have a sense of exceptionalism around them because their their local legend that was proven false, Georgia Gip, that went national real early. Thanks, Ronald Reagan. Um, but so they have this sort of exceptionalism around them. But I still think that more um, more schools are going to be opting in than opting out. And even if it even if it uh, they don't, then some team builders are going to come out. They're going to someone's going to make a team builder oh, of yeah. a team in in South Bend, Indiana, with gold helmets that have national TV games every we're gonna, Saturday. We're going to get. Full rosters and everything, no matter what. Someone's going to make them. Hey, I need Rudy, man. I need Rudy on my team. How about One. Joe Montana? Actually, that that's another college footballer's legend. Joe Montana went in the Cotton Bowl after after eating some chicken soup. Oh, God. Again, I don't know if that's true. It might be true. It might not be true. That's the best thing about urban legend. That's that's I mean, like the uh, Mike secret stuff. Oh, Michael Jordan was sucking the whole entire game against the Monstars, and then they drank Mike secret stuff, and then they won oh, the game. That one's on an Urban Legends. That's from a documentary. Yeah, like, can you that's imagine where a- we'd be if Michael Jordan didn't extend his arm out to dunk a basketball? Mm-hmm. We'd be we, this, that would be. I wouldn't even want to live in the hell world of my imagination right now. Uh, get ready, man. We got LeBron James in the new Space Jam, which is probably There's never going to be another Space Jam. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's called Le Mickey Jam. Uh, well, I think it's time we end to a little game I like to call... Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, God. Where I, read off, the, I read off the year and the stats of a player that you kind of remember and really makes you say, Oh, yeah that guy so in 2008 for kansas this player caught 92 passes for 1407 yards and 15 touchdowns my goodness he also rushed two times for 18 yards kansas receiver i'm thinking about those that kansas team all i can think about is was it a kansas versus missouri game that was so good yeah, that was on national TV, which is weird because it's Kansas. Yeah, um, it's Kansas versus Missouri of all teams. Who is Dorothy? No, not a bad guess, but no. <laughs> Unlike, oh similar to Dorothy, uh, after 2009, he was not in Kansas anymore. Um, in 2008, though, he also returned eight kickoffs for 219 yards, including seven for 195 yards in one game. My God. And he... Made two special teams tackles. Oh, I'm gonna feel so dumb when I when you tell me who it is. The only guy I can remember right now from that Kansas team is Akib Talib. Well, I mean, there were some NFL players on that. Chris Harris. And they reunited in Denver a few years I'm later. Denver, I'll yeah. be straight up with you. I don't even know. All right. So Jr. is waving the white flag. Kyle, do you have any guesses at all? I'm trying to think. I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel so dumb when you tell me well, who is it. Desmond Briscoe. That's a good one. Oh yeah, uh, that guy. <laughs> hey, that's the name. That's the name oh, of the part of the show. He said the line. He said it. 
Yeah, he he was he was on that Kansas team, but those stats I read out were not from that Kansas team. That Kansas team, he was the third receiver behind Marcus Henry and Dexon Fields. And he had 43 catches for 496 yards and seven touchdowns. All right, um, year. That was in 2007. Pretty solid a year. That was also the. I mean, you want to talk about one two punches in college football? How about 2008 Kansas? Which I never thought I'd say something positive about Kansas football, but here we are. Yeah, Kansas football used to have some good players. One two punch at wide receiver. Desmond Briscoe and Kerry Meyer. Briscoe, of course, 92, 14.07, 15. Kerry Meyer, 97 catches, 1,045 yards, 8 touchdowns. Wow, that is an impressive season for both of them. Also, Meyer did that as the backup quarterback. Oh, wow. Legally obligated to mention that whenever I, whenever I mention Kerry Meyer, that he was actually the backup quarterback at Kansas. Uh, and Todd Reason was the starter, which now that I said it, I can't use him for a future. Oh, yeah, that guy. Well, he's a stupid player anyway. I'm just kidding, Todd, if you're listening. I think you're awesome. Oh, I love Now that I think about it, you, Mikey. Now that I think about it, Kerry Meyer was another guy who was part of another college football urban legend. The Sports Illustrated cover curse. Ooh, that is a good curse. Because there was there was a um a co- a sports illustrated cover of Kerry Meyer catching a touchdown. And it said, Dream season so far. Unbeaten Kansas takes on Missouri in the border war, and this time it matters. Wow, that, that sounds pretty funny. And now this um, time it matters. Well it did well yeah. Just the way it's phrased. And then um you you look at what happens in the border war that year and it's it's funny. It's funny, I won't lie to you. I think it's hilarious. Maybe but I should mention the winner of that border war went to number one in the nation. Because wow. uh, Kansas was number two, I think Missouri was either number three or four. Yeah, Missouri was number three. And number one, West Virginia, had lost on that weekend. Iconic final score. 13-9. We love low-scoring games like that in football. No, no, I didn't, oopsie. That was not the 13-9 game. West Virginia won 66-21 against UConn, who was somehow ranked number 20. Bob Diaco is smiling somewhere, even though it's not his team. That was the same day that uh, Darren McFadden legally became the mayor of Baton Rouge. Oh, Red DMC. Um, so yeah, and then and then Kansas, Kansas lost the border war thirty six to twenty eight. Um, you know how you do that? How about you don't spot them a twenty one point lead at the end of the third quarter? I'm just saying. <laughs> but the the. Oh, yeah, that guy. Desmond Briscoe had a pretty good game. Seven catches, 94 yards. Pretty good game. Not, not bad, not bad. Still lost. Yeah, pretty Can't, unfortunate they lost. Pretty, 
pretty uh, pretty important part of that story. We were so close to a Kansas versus West Virginia national championship, but no, we couldn't have that. We can't have nice things in college football. Imagine the national champion team, Kansas, the Jayhawks. Kansas versus West Virginia, that sounds like a basketball national championship. It definitely does sound like a basketball national championship. <laughs> well, Kansas being number two in anything sounds like basketball for me. That's true. Uh, well, I think it's about time we start wrapping up. Oh, JR, if you want to plug anything, you can go ahead right now. Alrighty. Um, so for all these listeners and all the fault and all your followers that would like to check out a hockey podcast, if you're ever interested, you could find us on Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes at Bruins Talk. Um, it is the official Bruins podcast through Title Talk Media, uh, hosted by myself and my friend Boris. Uh, we are getting ready to record the next episode um, this week. Um, we got some juicy takes coming in, uh, especially because the Bruins just had a very, very, very big win in Lake Tahoe against the Philadelphia Flyers. A nice 7-3 effort with another David Pasternak hat trick against the Flyers this year. Um, if you'd like to follow me on my social medias, on Twitter and on Instagram, it's the same. It's at Bergeron to Kasha. That's B-E-R-G-E-R-O-N-T-O-K-A-S-E. Um, you can also follow the Bruins Talk official Twitter at Bruins Talk TTM on Twitter and Bruins Talk TTM on Instagram. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me on here tonight, Mikey. I really appreciate it, and I had a really fun time with both you and Kyle. No problem, Kyle. Uh, you can plug all your stuff now. Yeah, I, I only got my Twitter to plug, same as last week. Uh, it's at G-I-M-R-A-R-I. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun talking to you too, J-R. All right, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Mikey DeLuo. That's M-I-K-E-Y-D-I-L-U-L-L-O. And you can also check me out on the Tuscaloosa News. Uh, did a lot of college gymnastics, Alabama, with a huge upset over LSU last week. And remember, you can also follow the show on Twitter. That's at CFB Corner TTM for memes and podcast updates. Thanks for listening.